0: Who could potentially be a ceiling breaker for the Kentucky Wildcats this season? We talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Bet Online where the game starts. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, got a plethora of interesting topics to get to. To begin with, though, here, who is Kentucky's ceiling breaker this season? Talking about Kentucky basketball, the Wildcats, who's going to be the player to break the ceiling? Before we answer that question, we have to ask another question. What is Kentucky's ceiling heading into the 2022-23 season? Certainly, I think preseason predictions right now are putting the Wildcats on a lofty pedestal. But if we're going to be reasonable, I would say an Elite Eight appearance or a team of that caliber uh, is probably a reasonable expectation for Kentucky. Now, why do I say an Elite Eight caliber team? Well, if you've listened to this podcast for any sort of amount of time, you've probably heard me talk about how difficult it is to get through a single elimination tournament of 68 different teams. It's really, really difficult. You may have a really, really talented team, but in the final 16 teams, you may be one of the best teams in the entire field, and you may run into a team that is the best team in the entire field. And so you get knocked out before you have an opportunity to make it further and deeper into that tournament and to gain respect from the overall audience, the national audience that is watching you. It's just really, really difficult to get through a tournament like March Madness. And so you may have an Elite Eight caliber team, but you may get run out too early. So what what I'm saying here is Kentucky, I think it's reasonable to expect them to put on the court this season a team that could get to the Elite Eight, that could get to the Elite Eight. I think that's Kentucky's ceiling. Now, like I mentioned Preseason expectations, you see all these preseason top 25s, you see Joe Lenardi for whatever reason, putting out his way too early bracketology. He's even said himself, like, I, it, there's, this is just for fun. But, like, a lot of teams, or excuse me, a lot of national media seems to be really, really high on the Wildcats this season. A lot of it has to do with the return of Oscar Shibwe. But I think if we're going to set a reasonable expectation and lead eight appearance or something around that is, is fair for the Wildcats. But the question I wanted to ask on today's show, who's going to be the player that breaks that ceiling for Kentucky. It's somebody that could potentially be an unknown, somebody that could potentially be an X-factor for the Wildcats. I think first here we have to note the returnees. Most notably, Oscar Sheebway statistically dominated in a way last season that I believe he can replicate but not necessarily outperform significantly. So I think that he's the engine of this machine, the engine of this team, the leader of this squad that's going to bring Kentucky to that Elite Eight appearance caliber team that they put out there. But I think we're going to have to look at Kentucky's cast to actually find a ceiling breaker here. And the one guy I have in mind, we've talked about him since he committed through the transfer portal just a few weeks ago. Talked about him, how he, in my mind, is a little bit of an unknown. An interesting, interesting player to be added to this team. Antonio Reeves. He is the first player that comes to my mind when I think about Kentucky's ceiling breaker for the 2022-23 season. I'm going to explain why. Antonio Reeves could potentially be Kentucky's ceiling breaker because Kentucky needs a shot creator at the guard position. It's crucially important. For a team that makes it that deep into March Madness and could potentially get past that point, they need to have really solid guard play. Severe Wheeler, the assist man on this team, veteran guy, experienced guy, a little bit undersized though, unfortunately. He's good at finishing at the rim, but I would not describe Severe Wheeler as a shot creator. I think he utilizes the pick and roll well. I think that he's able to get downhill well, but in terms of creating in the mid-range and creating things off the dribble that aren't directly at the rim, I I would not classify Severe Wheeler as a shot creator. I would not say that he's necessarily good at those two other things. CJ Frederick, not seen a whole lot of tape outside of what he did at Iowa, but it looked like he was more of a catch-and-shoot guy and really, really good from three off the dribble as well. Would not classify him, though, as a shot creator, specifically just a really good shot creator. Cason Wallace may be able to create. We can talk about him later on in the offseason. He's somebody that I'm very, very excited about. And Aduthiero, I think this year is out of the question. So you look at Kentucky's backcourt. They've got two different guys that could potentially be decent. But Antonio Reeves at Illinois State was a really, really good shot creator. Sean Vinzel of Hoops Insight, front of the program, had him on just last season to help break down a couple different games for the Wildcats. Wrote this back, I believe it was on April 27th about Antonio Reeves, and I wanted to directly quote him here. Uh, I would highly encourage you guys out there listening, or if you're watching on YouTube, to go uh, check out Sean Vinzel of Hoops Insight. Got a really, really good newsletter that he puts out. But this is what he said about Reeves. The primary reason Reeves is such a good late clock scorer is that he is very good at the play types that make a lot of late clock opportunities. Isolation and and pick-and-roll ball handling. In fact, last season, Kentucky's main weakness in the half-court offense was that they ranked in the 41st percentile when the pick-and-roll ball handler tried to score, often severe Wheeler. That's Antonio Reeves' strength. He was in the 94th percentile in pick-and-roll ball handling scoring. Simply put, the things that he's good at were weaknesses for Kentucky last year and are important when Kentucky tries to hold on to to leads. That's what Sean Vinzel had to say about Antonio Reeves' becoming a shot creator. Specifically, you note there, late in the shot clock. I think it's going to be really, really important that Kentucky has somebody that can bail them out of possessions consistently, because last year, outside of Ty Ty Washington, I don't think Kentucky had that player on their roster outside of Washington and Shebway, I should say. Late in the shot clock, being able to create, get a pick and roll going, and scoring off of it efficiently, Kentucky didn't have that guy late in possessions last season. And you can argue, you say, well, Severe Wheeler, like you mentioned earlier, was good in the pick and roll game. He was actually, statistically, and we could probably dive into this at another time, I don't have it right in front of me, but statistically, he was really, really good in transition for the Wildcats. And obviously, he helped the team out elsewhere, but but my point being is that I think that When you put Severe Wheeler in the game, you're going to want to try and push the ball up and down the court, and you're going to want, want to try and get him to press and push and get to the rim. In the half court, though, I think you want something a little differently. I think you want somebody with length to be able to run that pick and roll for you, which is my second point here. The reason that Antonio Reeves may be that ceiling breaker for the Wildcats is because of his length. At six foot six, Kentucky needs somebody in the backcourt with some height that can handle the ball tightly. I know Jacob Toppin can handle the ball a little bit. I know that, uh, that Keon Brooks could handle the ball a little bit last year. This season, though, I think Kentucky's going to really, really benefit from having somebody on the roster that can handle the ball tightly at guard with some height to them. Antonio Reeves is that guy. I've got one more note here from Sean Vinzel of Hoops Insight. This is what he also had to say about Reeves. Last season, Synergy rated Reeves as excellent on both isolation plays and as a pick-and-roll ball handler, meaning his points scored per possession were in the 85th percentile or above on both. I believe his particular skills in creating offense in these sets are why he's going to be such a great fit for Kentucky. Creating an isolation, providing length at the guard spot, and then finally... The reason I think he could be the ceiling breaker for Kentucky is his abilities, I believe, could potentially open up the offense for Kentucky. Now, Kentucky's offense was already really, really efficient for about 80% of last season. Before, At the very end, they just kind of just kind of tanked there. But I, I think his ability to draw assignments, allowing Oscar Chibwe, Jacob Toppin, C.J. Frederick to free, free up for shots, especially late in possessions like we mentioned earlier, I think that's going to be really, really nice for Kentucky. I also think that this will allow Severe Wheeler to maybe work a little bit off the ball. He, during conference play last season, was actually a decent spot-up shooter. Whenever he was able to catch and shoot, he was knocking down threes at a decent rate. I think having two guards that can handle dribble inside, get to the rim, and potentially kick out for shots, having two of those, one of them being really, really good at, the, at finishing at, at the rim, and the other one being not so great at finishing at the rim, but also maybe two or three inches taller than your average point guard, shooting guard, I think that's really, really nice to have. I think that's a nice compliment there. But opening up the offense, and, and you look at what he was doing at Illinois State last year. I believe he was, he was contributing on like, like 28% of possessions, 27% of possessions, something crazy like that. He was not necessarily a ball hog, but he was utilized a lot in Illinois State's offense. I think that this season, if he is going to start, which he could potentially start at the three, he could potentially start over Casey Wallace at the two, or C.J. Frederick could start there. I don't know how they're going to work out the lineup. But what I do expect is for Reeves to get minutes. And with those minutes, I think he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot during offensive possessions. And I think his ability to draw attention because he is such a legitimate scoring threat at all three levels, specifically levels two and three, mid-range and outside, I think it's going to allow some of Kentucky's other players to, to kind of benefit and get more comfortable within an offensive set, which by the way, we talked about it recently on yesterday, or excuse me, on the last episode we did, which you guys are loving apparently, just, just based on the numbers. We talked about Kentucky in their practice notes. I mean, right now they're running four and five out stuff. And we talked about four and five out a lot last season whenever we were previewing opponents. A lot last season. And saying it would be nice if Kentucky could start to implement more of this into their offensive game plan. And if that's what they're doing, with guys like Antonio Reeves just prioritizing spacing and efficient shot selection, man, I know this offense was really good last year. And with Shebae coming back, it's, it's primed to be good again this year. But, man, this, it could be special. It could be close to perfection if Kentucky executes correctly. I truly believe that. All right. That's what I believe about Antonio Reeves. Could potentially be Kentucky's ceiling breaker. If you have a different opinion, you may say, Lance, no, Antonio Reeves saw this on Rupp Rafters. He's going to be the next Davion Mintz. If you think, no, Lance, actually, Kaysen Wallace is going to be the ceiling breaker. C.J. Frederick, You know, Jacob Toppin. Leave a comment below on YouTube if you're watching there. If you're listening on podcast format, you can hit me on the socials, at LockedOnUK on on Twitter. Would love to hear what you have to say. All right. Before we move on to NBA draft odds, specifically with Shader Sharp and TyTy Washington, very interesting, by the way. Really interesting where BetOnline believes that these two could potentially go. Before we talk about that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at BetOnline.net. They are your number one source for all of your betting needs and your sports info. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball as well. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season as well. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That's Bet Online where the game starts. All right, continuing along here on the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dawg here with you. Talking there for a second about Bet Online. They just released NBA draft position over-unders for players outside the top five. So essentially what we're going to look at here is where Bet Online believes Shaden Sharp and Ty Ty Washington could potentially go, and I'm going to give you an over or an under, depending on what Bet Online believes. So we'll start here with Shaden Sharp. His draft position, according to BetOnline.net, they believe that Shaden Sharp will get drafted eighth. That is his over-under, and that is something that you could go bet on right now over at BetOnline.net. Hey, if you're feeling pretty confident, could, could go check it out. Could go check it out. I... I'm going to go over here on Shaden Sharp. I believe that he is going to be drafted higher than eighth. And let me explain why. You, we, we talked about this recently on the show. We talked about looking at just all these different mock drafts out there and how Shaden Sharp's stock has continually risen. And I believe he had a workout with the Pacers recently and they just absolutely just pummeled him with questions about his relationship with Kentucky and I don't know if the Pacers are particularly interested in drafting somebody like Sharp, I believe at sixth, if I'm not mistaken, over uh, somebody like Jaden Ivey. But still, there are a lot of mock drafts out there, and I mean a lot, that have Shaden Sharp going higher than fifth. Some of them have him him going fourth. And in the most recent mock draft that I could find from CBS Sports, they had Shaden Sharp going at third. And this is what, uh, excuse me, CBS Sports had to say about Shaden Sharp potentially going third overall. We all need to acknowledge something regarding the the top of this year's draft. The Bancaro-Smith-Holmgren-1-2-3 is probably how the draft will shake out in some order on Thursday night. That said, the chances of those three players actually proving to be the three best players from this draft is small. They each deserve to be where they are projected, but deserve has nothing to do with how this will unfold in the years to come. At least one player outside the top three is going to leapfrog at least one of those guys and wind up being better. So, this is my arrow in the dark. Sharp hasn't played enough competitive basketball in almost a year. He's a total gamble. There is a lot there, though. Shooting, athleticism, explosiveness, gobs of potential. Some believe he'd be the number one in conversation if had, or he'd be the number one in the number one conversation, wow, Lance, had he played at Kentucky, but he didn't. Maybe it takes a year or three, but maybe we look up in 10 years and he's an all-star. Let's swing big. Did not see who wrote the article for, for uh, CBS Sports. Did not see who wrote that mock draft. But he's stepping out on a limb, is essentially what he's saying. Is like, well, you look at these three guys, and man, they look talented. Paulo Ban- Banquero. Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, they all look really, really good, but are we really sure they're going to be the three best players from this year's draft? And he's just saying, probably not, so I'm going to throw in Shaden Sharp here just for funsies. Which, by the way, anytime you say just for funsies, it is bound, whatever you are doing is bound to end up going poorly. Just want to throw that out there. From from my limited life experience, don't ever say you're going to do something for funsies because it will immediately, immediately fall apart. And that could be literally anything outside. Anyway, moving on. I think that this is a little aggressive from CBS Sports saying Sharp's going to go third overall, specifically for the reason they cite in the article, which is he hasn't played competitive basketball in almost a year. He didn't play at Kentucky. There was a huge mess there behind the scenes. So this is, like they say, a total gamble. But I don't think he's going lower than eighth. I don't think he's going lower than 8th. I think he's too valuable of a prospect. And you look at some of his, his workouts, I'm sure that he's probably getting really good feedback from the teams that he's, he's working out with outside of the Indiana Pacers. I'm sure that he's getting good feedback. I mean, all I've read and seen and watched about this kid outside of the Pacers, again, is, is, has been positive. Talking about his ability to score. He's a scorer. He's really, really, really explosive. That's what you need in the NBA. You need people that can create an isolation. So I think Shaden Sharp goes over at 8. That is my prediction. If you've got a prediction, even in the YouTube comments, hit me on the socials. Does he go over higher than eighth, Or does he go under eighth, Or does he go at eighth? Do you, do you think it's a push? Ty Ty Washington here. According to betonline.net, Ty Ty's draft position over under is at 18 and a half. Look at that same mock draft from CBS Sports. It has Ty Ty Washington going at 19th to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I'm going to go over. I'm going to say higher. I think Washington get, gets, drafted, gets drafted higher. Before I explain why, I'll read what CBS has to say. Wonderful shooting touch from the midrange. Washington's ability to get into the lane and utilize pick-and-roll scheming is what's going to safely get him drafted in the first round. He's a smidge undersized, and I don't know if he'll be able to be a starter for more years than not, but I do like his chances of being a good secondary option at the point for years to come. It's a pretty, pretty solid evaluation there. I think that Washington will get drafted higher, higher than this for two reasons. Number one, he's right now, according to just about any place that you look at, the number one overall point guard in this year's draft. I just don't see the number one overall point guard getting drafted at 19th. No, he's got to go higher than that. Even if it's by one pick, if he goes at 17 instead of 18 or 19, I think that he goes higher than that. And then also, I think that you have to differentiate pre-injury Ty-Ty Washington and post-injury Ty-Ty Washington. Because pre-injury Ty-Ty Washington, phenomenal off the ball. And whenever he was forced, and I literally mean forced because of injury, to play point, he was really solid. 17 assists against Georgia. Georgia was awful last year. You don't just happen upon 17 assists. I mean, you could, you could, be, playing, you could play in, be playing NBA 2K. You could set a roster where you only play with five guys. You give them 48 minutes a game. Unless you're playing with Chris Paul at the point, you're probably not going to come away with 17 assists a game. It's just it's really impressive what Washington was able to do within his role before he got injured. Post injury, Ty Ty Washington was a complete mess, almost a liability, because when you had him out there, the question still remained: first of all, is he a hundred percent? Answer: clearly not, because of the way that he's shooting from the mid range, and then also the worry is that not only is he currently damaging the play of the overall team while he's out there. You also worry about him specifically. What if he, you know, furthers an injury that he already has? You don't want that to happen, and it just about happened last year. Kentucky's guards were beat last year. And I'm not saying, saying like, Cal beat them. I'm saying, like, they were just, they were wiped out by the end of the year. So, I I think that teams will put a lot more stock into pre-injury Ty Ty Washington because he's not going to be injured forever for his career, knock on wood. But yeah, I think that Washington is, as the number one overall point guard, he he's not going to go lower than 19th. I just I, I that would that would be surprising to me. And then also, I think teams are going to be really excited about what they saw before Ty Ty Washington, uh, before Ty Washington got hurt. If you got any thoughts on that, where Kentucky's two players could potentially go in the first round? Leave a YouTube comment, again, or hit me on the socials at LockedOnUK. All right, got one more thing to talk about here. It's actually more over-unders, but this time for Kentucky football. BetOnline put out their regular season win totals for the SEC, and Kentucky's, man, I am bewildered by the number that they have for the Wildcats. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about the 2022 NBA Draft tonight. One live NBA draft show is not enough for locked on. The entire NBA channel is going live on NBA Draft Night. So if you have a favorite NBA team, make sure you subscribe now to their Locked On YouTube channel so that you get notified when they go live on NBA Draft Night. It's going to be a lot of fun. Probably going to be talking about Shaden Sharp pretty early in that live as well. You guys, as Kentucky fans, probably going to really want to go check that out. Again, Locked On's NBA Drafts Night. Go subscribe to the Locked On YouTube channel. The entire NBA channel is going live. Would really encourage you guys to go check that out. All right, wrapping up the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Daw here with you. Updated win totals for the Kentucky Wildcats football team. Bet online literally just put them out, just a couple of hours before I started recording. Over/under win totals for the SEC East. Kentucky currently, right now, sits at seven and a half projected wins, according to Bet Online. That's their over/under. Georgia sits at 10.5. 10 Tennessee also sits at 7.5, like Kentucky. Florida sits at 6.5. South Carolina sits at 6.5 as well. Missouri at 5.5. And, and Vanderbilt at 2.5. If you want to go over, over to a bet on, a betonline.net, go ahead and put some stock in the under there for Vanderbilt. I'd probably do that. <laughs> but Poor Vanderbilt. But anyway, 7.5 wins. 7.5 wins. And I believe last season Bet Online had Kentucky Open at six and a half. Listen, listen, guys. If I were a betting man, which I currently, as of right now, am not, if I were a betting man, I would jump on this. I would jump on this. You 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 can get past the issues pretty easily. I think I can get past the issues pretty easily. A combined what, nine, ten starters return? I don't put too much stock into that because you look at the total production that's returning, it's not as bad uh, as the amount of starters that are not coming back. You get back if Chris Rodriguez is able to play, which we hope he is. I'm not particularly sure what's going on in that situation there. haven't heard anything definitive. Just keeping an eye on Chris Rodriguez's situation. Kentucky brings back their top five leading rushers from last season. You say, well, they lost Wondell Robinson. Yeah, well, they brought Tavion Robinson in, and he may not be as good as Wondell, but I think Kentucky's young receiving core is going to have a lot of opportunity to prove themselves, and let's say they don't throw the ball, or they can't throw the ball as well as they did last year. Well, you got a pretty solid offensive line, got a couple transfers in to shore that up. you got a five-star potential left tackle in Keonta Goodwin. You should be able to establish the run, and oh, yeah, by the way, you've got a potential first-round quarterback at the helm in Will Levis. Who is, who is a very good runner, so you could just wheel your way, like Georgia kind of did last season, to more than seven and a half wins. You look on the defensive side of the ball, everybody's freaking out about, oh, well, is the secondary going to be able to stop stuff? And I'm not going to lie to you, I've had my concerns as well. I've had my concerns as well. But the more I think about it, the less I'm concerned because of how solid Mark Stoops in this defense has been for a couple of years now. I mean, they've been consistent. Even whenever they've had guys depart, they've been consistent. You get back almost your entire linebacking core, and I know that you've got some guys to replace on the defensive line, and like I said, the secondary is a question mark, but still, I'm excited about this defense, and I think that they're going to be fine. I think that they're going to be just fine. Because let's, let's throw this scenario out there. Let's say that Kentucky is what the preseason magazines and what the national media stereotypes them to be. Let's say that that's what they are in 2022, which is a team that will be able to run the ball efficiently, will have questionable receiver play with a solid quarterback, a defense that is good at stopping the run, but at the same time has a questionable secondary that is, that is susceptible to giving up long plays. Let's say that that is the stereotype. Is that enough to kind of scare people away from seven and a half wins. The over-under from online, seven and a half wins. To me, no. Because here, here's my thought process on this. Before we get to the schedule. Let's say Kentucky's secondary is bad. Let's say it's 10th best in the SEC, 11th best, best in the SEC. Even if their defense gets tired from, from having to be out there for more possessions than they ought to be. I think Kentucky and this coaching staff have the awareness to say, why would we go up tempo on offense when our strength is controlling the time of possession and controlling the ground game and imposing our will at the line of scrimmage? Why would we ever try and force things? Because Will Levis can still throw a football. I mean, this offense is going to, I think this offense is going to be perfectly fine, maybe one of the best in the SEC. The only reason, the only reason you would want to kind of hurry things up is if you get down. And again, I just don't see this defense, even if it is the secondary is bad, I just don't see them getting down that often to where they have to get out of their comfort zone consistently on offense. So let's look at the schedule. The 2022 schedule, you start with Miami. I think Miami of Ohio, excuse me. That feels like a win. You go on the road to Florida, and head coach Billy Napier has put on record already. The team is thin in a lot of different spots. You don't know truly what you're going to get out of Anthony Richardson Richardson at quarterback. Receiver is a huge question mark for them. So Florida's dealing with a lot of depth issues at different spots as well. I wouldn't necessarily say that's a win, I wouldn't even necessarily say that Kentucky will be favored in that game. It, it may be a pick for all I know. Seeing how Florida looks against Utah the, the prior week is going to speak a lot to how I view the Gators heading into that Week 2 matchup. am going to have to see them first. But as of right now, I feel comfortable saying with, that Kentucky could take that game. So let's make that our half here. So we're at one and a half wins. Youngstown State. Win, two and a half. Northern Illinois, win, three and a half. Go on the road to Ole Miss. I'm going to call that a loss. All right? So we're one, two, three, and one. Or we'll we'll get back to Florida. One, two, three, we're, we're three and one. We play South Carolina at home. That should be a win. In my mind, that should be a win. So you're up to four wins. Mississippi State at home. I know it happened last season. I know it happened last season. You get, them all, you get them at home. You get a, the ability to adjust. Mississippi State, I think I've said this before on the show, very similar to Paul Johnson at Georgia Te- and Georgia Tech when they ran the triple option. I mean, the air raid and triple option obviously are literally complete opposites of each other, but I think the principle remains the same. When the triple option or the air raid works, it works. It really works. But when it doesn't work, it really doesn't work to the tune of... Borderline nothing. No production on offense. It will shut down. It's like a lawn it's like it's like your old lawn mower. You get out there and you're going to cut grass and you're just like, man, I really, really hope this mower doesn't bog down. Because if it bogs down, I'm not gonna be able to finish the work. It's over for me. I've gotten out here in the heat of the day, tried to get this done, and I'm not gonna be able to come out with a win because the mower has bogged down on grass that it honestly probably shouldn't have bogged down on. But there will be some days where that mower, I guess it's just feeling itself. And then all of a sudden, you are tearing through that yard. And you've just got beautiful lines and everything's all nice. You didn't miss anything. It looks fantastic. He caught a dub. And it was a big one. Mississippi State its just so on and off and on and off. They're so volatile that I think I'm comfortable with saying Kentucky can bounce back from, from last year and pick up a win. So we've got wins against Miami, Youngstown State, Northern Illinois, South Carolina, Mississippi State. We're up to five now. On the road at Tennessee, I'm going to say this is a loss. At Missouri, that's a win. I think that that we are going to win against Missouri if their rush defense is anything like it was last season, especially. So we're up to six wins. Vanderbilt, win. Georgia, loss. Louisville, win, eight. That's eight wins. And to be honest with you, I could see Kentucky going on the road and beating Tennessee. If Mississippi's hodgepodge of transfers that they have just kind of thrown into the blender and poured out and expected to get similar offensive production from last year, if their transfer portal additions don't pan out the way that they think they may, I think Kentucky's got a legitimate shot in that game as well. I think they've got a legitimate shot on the road at Florida in week two. This could be a team that wins 10 games again this season. I legitimately believe that's on the table. I know a lot of people are high on Tennessee right now. Personally, I am too. I'm interested to see see what the Volunteers do this year. But every single game on this schedule is winnable for the Wildcats. You may say, well, Lance, Georgia won the national title last year. Yes, they did. They did. Think about the situation. We've already, we talked about this like months ago on the podcast. Think about this. Think about the situation. Georgia coming in the week before rivalry week, before Kentucky goes to play Louisville, You get Georgia at home, in between Vanderbilt and Louisville. Two teams, that I'm going to be honest with you, are not very good. That's just the way it is, at least on paper, heading into this season, do not appear to be very good teams. At that point of the season, everyone will know what Kentucky is about. Everyone will know what Georgia is about. I think Kentucky has the opportunity to pull what will be the currently the perceived upset I think that is 100% on the table that game gives me big time 2000 I believe it was I believe it was 2013 it might have been 2014 Texas A&M Missouri vibes that's the vibe that it gives me although Georgia doesn't have Johnny Manziel at quarterback and Georgia also at that point didn't have like three or four losses on their schedule Still, though, this, that game, Georgia versus Kentucky gives me that vibe this season where Kentucky's going to spring a huge upset late in the year and it, it could be big. I've got, I've got high hopes for that game and after having an interview with Bo Allen just a few weeks ago, he and the team have high hopes for that game. They've circled that game. I'm really interested to see how Kentucky handles business. But point being, I think seven and a half wins Might be reasonable to some, might be reasonable to the national expectation of the program. If you zoom in a little closer, though, I think you can really, really get comfortable with saying eight, at minimum, nine to ten, potentially, for the Wildcats. So I would go over on that. If you disagree, hey, leave a YouTube comment, or you can hit me on the socials. On tomorrow's episode of Locked On Kentucky, gonna be talking about more NBA draft stuff. Also, Rob Dillingham announced that he will be committing on Friday, got his final four schools, and includes the Wildcats. Gonna talk about that on tomorrow's episode. It's gonna be a lot of fun. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore, and you can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, again, leave them in the YouTube comments below or hit me on the socials. I will see you all on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.